Sandra Dupiri, who um, at Yeringberg, who would normally be having their open weekend, which of course they can't in Victoria now. Uh, so we're going to have a chat with Sandra about how the wines are looking at release. And um, Warwick Duthi from the Watervale pub, he's the co-owner with his wife in um, in uh, Watervale in Clare. Uh, that's just opened up uh, in September. Um, and they're doing some great things apparently. So, uh, and then Heidi Eldridge from the Coonawarra uh, Grape Growers, she's going to have a chat about October in Coonawarra, uh, which is typically their, uh, you know, the celebration of, of all things Reds and uh, in Cabernet. And, uh, and, and usually we get to see the roadshow over here in Melbourne and um, obviously not this year, but uh, we're going to have a chat with her about what's going on anyway. Um, now, speaking Coonawarra and wins Coonawarra, good morning to you, Catherine. Good morning, Simon. And uh, I like the Collingwood theme song, but I am a little bit in mourning today because I'm a doggy supporter. So, um, you know, they're losing out last night by a couple of points. It was a bit devastating. Yeah, what a close game. Gee. Oh, terrible. But uh, well done to the Saints as well. Yes, uh, most definitely, most definitely. Um, so, uh, and so... You're into your footy uh, probably because you grew up in the Yarra Valley or near the Yarra Valley, didn't you? Yeah, that's right, exactly. Just sort of a, just near the base of Coldstream, really. So that's sort of as you as you enter the heart of, of the Yarra. So, um, yep, so we're, we're close to Melbourne. So hello to all the Victorians out there. And um, I know that you guys are doing it tough, but uh, can't wait to uh, to get back over to Melbourne and, and see family and friends. And, um, yeah, it's uh, yep, just Stay strong, you're nearly there. <laughs> well, I think that's the point, yeah. Um, and we'll be hearing today from the Premier about, you know, any any potential changes. But uh, the 19th, it looks like, things will sort of come back uh, to some semblance of normal. So, um, But importantly, we want the borders to open up to South Australia so we can come and see you guys. Yeah, come over to Coonawarra, absolutely. And we can't wait to have um, have uh, all our Melbourne and Victorian friends back because it's um, so significant. We love having our... our our Victorian visitors to Coonawarra, they're um, yeah, very supportive of, of our region and we love it. Yeah, because it's, it's a unique region um, from a location point of view um, relative to capital cities, isn't it? Because mm. it's actually halfway between Melbourne and, and uh, Adelaide, so yeah, it's it is. no easier for people in Adelaide to get there than it is for us. Yeah, that's right. You know, it, it, is, it is quite doable for a weekend trip. Um, you know, often I, I go home to my family and friends um, in Melbourne and, and, you know, encourage people to do the same. But it is, it is quite achievable to come over here for a, for a lovely weekend and particularly, I, I know Heidi will talk a little bit later, but particularly during, um, you know, month of October because there's, there's so much happening. Obviously, we can't because the borders are closed, but there's still a lot going on and would encourage um, encourage a long weekend over here. It's, um, it's well worth it. Yeah. And particularly, um, um, the vines are looking fabulous at the moment too. We've just got um, bud burst occurring, so, um, so there's sort of the... The, the start of a, of, of a new season and, and you hope really we've got some some beautiful very even bud burst over here and lots of little bunches are starting to emerge so it's really pretty and, and really promising at the moment yeah I can imagine it that it is just as you say it's that kind of yeah that birth, the birth sort of of the season and um, so your how you've had some good rainfall or how's yours been because yeah. Victoria's been pretty good yeah it's, it's looking absolutely picture perfect as I said so you know, lots of um, lots of, of lovely little bunches just starting to form um, out on the vine. Cabernet is, is looking an absolute treat at the moment. It's just um, just got that lovely perky new growth and um, and just the promise of a of a really good good vintage. With um, if if the if the environment is kind to us. Y- yes. Well, so if um, if you were to actually 
map it out from here till harvest in what would be probably March, I guess. Um, what would you what would you put on your you know your top three things that you'd want from this point um, to to harvest for in the vineyard? Yeah. So, so really, and, and a key focus of what of what some of our research at Winds is is really focusing on on the detail and one of the critical times in Coonawarra in particular is that flowering and fruit set period. So from November sort of to December, it's when our um, the, the vine flowers and it's really when it starts to set its fruit. And that's quite a pivotal moment um, where you get the flowers converting to, to the berries. And so we really want um, good weather at that point in time, not too hot, not too cold, um, just so you get that lovely um, fertilisation occurring so we can maximise... Um, our flower to to fruit ratio, so we can have a nice even yield, and it's it um, it can be quite variable here sometimes. But if you if you can have um, the optimal climatic conditions, um, it really sets sets the uh, the vintage up. So flowering and fruit set is is a really critical moment, and then um, going through to sort of just a, a really nice, which we typically have here in Kurunawara, really nice um, warm sort of mild summer. Mm. And, and those really cool nights that we get as a consequence of being actually quite close to the ocean. So um, I know it sounds bizarre, but Coonawarra is quite flat. And as a consequence, we do get those lovely cooling winds from the Southern Ocean. And that has a significant impact on, on the vine's ability to recover after those, those warm days. And, and that's a real sort of focus of mine too, is just um, really looking at, um, at how we can tap into those, those vine signals. So one of my key sort of research um, areas that I do at WIND is um, is asking the vines actually how thirsty they are. So um, really trying to focus in on, on sort of judicious irrigation management because we get all our irrigation water from underground aquifers. So it's a very precious resource and we do not want to waste that in any way, shape or form. And so instead of just irrigating, my research is really trying to ask the vines, okay, well, how thirsty are you today? Do you actually need that? That, uh, that drink of water. And interestingly about Cabernet is um, there are different types of personalities and you might think I'm a bit crazy here but, um, mm. but certain vines have, have different personality types. So Shiraz typically is called an optimist. Um, so the way it handles its, its water and its responses to water is very optimistically. So it'll think, oh Simon you're my vineyard manager. I'm feeling a bit hot today but that's okay I'll keep transpiring because you're going to irrigate me tonight because I know you love me and I know you're going to remember me. Whereas Cabernet, on the other hand, is quite pessimistic. And it kind of goes, oh, I'm really hot today. I think Simon's going to go to the beach or he's going to you know, have a, have a glass of, of, of Riesling tonight and he's going to forget about irrigating me. So I'm just going to bunker down and I'm not going to, I'm not going to irrigate, I'm, I'm not going to transpire and I'm going to try and keep myself really, really um, supported just in case I don't get that drink tonight. And so... There's also there's visual cues to those too. So Shiraz being the optimist, it'll show its colours and it'll show the fact that it's hot and it's, it'll start to, you know, the, the leaves will start to bend over and it'll it'll go a little bit yellow and it'll start to really show that it, it needs a drink. Whereas Cabernet being the pessimist, it just stays green and it holds firm. It's like, I'm not showing my true colours, I'm just going to bunker down and try and ride this, this heat. <laughs> and so as a consequence, it's... Um, it's really, it's really sort of um, hard to to know when to irrigate Cabernet. So we're trialling new techniques um, to really ask the ask the pessimistic Cabernet how thirsty it is. And one of those techniques is the use of thermography, which is like a, I guess, a bit of a heat map. It's, um, you know, when you sort of um, during you know 
different pandemics. You walk through the airport and you get a heat map of yourself. Mm. Well, it's sort of that, but from a, from a plant point of view. So it shows how hot different vines are. And, of course, because Cabernet is not transpiring, it, it keeps itself quite hot. So we can actually get a heat map of the vineyard to see where the Cabernet is, you know, being that pessimist and is mm. actually requiring that irrigation. How, do you do that um, overhead, you know, with a drone or something like that, or is we it can, walking yeah. through? Yeah, yeah. Yep. Yep. yeah absolutely. So the technology is such that you can um, you can do that with. We actually we've used a fixed wing aircraft, and we the project in the past has, has involved the whole of Coonawarra actually, where we've had a fixed wing aircraft fly Coonawarra, and we've had little pockets where we've sort of gone in and and um, and examined. But from from um, when we've um, taken it back to winds, it's uh, we can do it via drone. Or we've got these little, um, with my colleagues at Adelaide University, in particular Dr. Vinay Pagay, we've got these little um, thermography towers. So they're tiny little IR sensors that um, that sit within the vineyard and they're consistently logging. So it's really um, sort of groundbreaking research in that you're getting a, a heat map 24-7 of what the vines are doing. And this is really significant because it's it's a constant sort of flux of, um, of how that vine is tracking. It's sort of like a... Um, a bit of a, um, a health check that you can sort of tap in. And mm. this is quite important when we're facing sort of a variable climate. So we can actually um, actually see how the vines are responding to these, these different stresses, be it heat or be it cold, through these um, IR sensors or these demography towers. So mm. it's, um, it's pretty cool. And it, it just means that we can sort of really tweak that irrigation so we can maximise, you know, the, the fruit composition and the flavour and... Um, and, and really make sure that the fruit that we're giving um, Sue Hodder and Sarah Pigeon is is the best um, best quality for that for that particular vintage. So that that would be fascinating. And, and the more you use it, the more you're going to learn, I guess. And and vintage yeah. to vintage, you'll see. Oh well, that typically that block always performs like that in in mm-hmm. you know this sort of period in in its cycle or whatever. Um, yeah. Yeah. So so they're, they're still. Um, I, I guess a case to um, to make the the plant sort of stress a little bit or work a little bit, and not sort of you know give it water too easily. Is that is that right. sort of the balance yeah. that you you? It you, is. Yep. Yep. Sort of treat a mean to keep them keen yeah. tight. Yeah. yeah, we really walk that fine line, and um, and and vines are really you know really cluey. Um, you know, all plants. I think. Um, outsmart us a lot of the time and um and and testament to this is is the johnson's block um we have a um a, probably my favorite vineyard it's just south of the winery actually and it's um it's the oldest cabernet grown in in coonawarra it was planted in 1954 so it was it's a dry grown vineyard so it's never had irrigation ever yeah, yeah. and um and in 2016 we noticed um that it was one of our, our warmer seasons that we've had in coonawarra that it was actually um there were some vines, I often walked the vines, there were some vines that, that were outperforming um, others. And and what the next step of this research for, for Johnson's is it's had over 60 years of, of climate thrown at it. And it looks like there's some vines that are actually performing really well under these significant sort of drought stress conditions. And so is there a genetic change happening in these vines that we might actually be able to select certain individual vines that have what we're class- classifying as potential drought superiority or drought mm. um, drought tolerance. So what I've sort of done is, um, is, is gone through and I have actually nine 
clone selected from this, uh, I think it's about a, a 17 hectare vineyard, um, there's nine vines that I believe are showing absolutely superior drought tolerance. So the way that they're handling water stress, so remember these have never had any irrigation, so it's mm. really just what's happening within the vineyard. And, um, and I've actually propagated them, so I've got little babies of these mother vines. Um, so there's Johnson's babies that I've just planted out last year, Wow. And now I'm going to start examining whether these are a genetic trait. So can can they can they learn how to live in their environment? And this is a really important sort of question that we need to to start to to answer because Cabernet is um, is the variety that we choose choose to grow here at Winds, and we're very proud of our, our Cabernet history. And really, this is a way potential way to keep um, keep the longevity of, of Cabernet and and the ability to potentially adapt. To a changing environment by by looking at the vineyard and by asking the environment um, and the vines how are they adapting rather than us putting mm. our sort of our, 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 our take on it. So yeah, it's it's really it's really exciting and it's um, it's a very exciting time to be to be a viticulturalist to be out the vineyard and mm. and, um, and to your listeners out there if anyone is interested in viticulture, the scope is huge in this particular um, field of, of, of physiology, plant physiology and, and I'd encourage um, encourage all all, you know, all our young biddies starting out that um, that there's so much scope and potential it's not just about driving tractors there's a real opportunity to um, to to have quite a dynamic and quite a, um, a, a challenging and exciting career in viticulture and um, mm. and we, we need viticulturalists um, out in the industry. Yeah, look, and, and I think that's one of the great things about, you know, Gourmet Traveller uh, wine, uh, having that as, as part of the awards, is, you know, celebrating, you know, y- you know, you guys. Um, because time and time again, we, t- we speak with winemakers and they say, the, you know, great wine is made in the vineyard. And mm. it's just, you know, it's, it's about the soil, um, you know, and, and we'll, we'll chat in a sec about the terra rossa soil that you, you get to play with. But, um, mm-hmm. but whatever the soil is, it's, it, it, if it is healthy, then that vine is going to do a lot better. And, yeah, um, totally. Yep, yep. And the soil is just a, a very small component of the, of the whole sort of, of the whole, uh, you know, vineyard matrix, I guess. And, yeah, and a big thanks to Gourmet Traveller Wine, um, you know, for for putting this as a as a standalone award, it's it's just great to have um, have the spotlight shine shine back out in the vineyard. So mm. it's um it's fantastic, and thanks to Forry and Judy <laughs> and the team at Gourmet Travel Wine for the, for the opportunity. Yeah, who w- w- was it, Forry, who did the um the sort of piece on you as a um in the magazine? Or who, yes, yeah, 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 he did. Yep, yep. So um, it's it was great to catch up with Forry. It wasn't in person; it was by the phone, but yeah. um. But yeah, it was um, a lovely chat with him actually. Mm. Yeah, we, we always love having him on here. He's um, yeah, he's great. We, great could, we could give him half an hour of the show though, of course. <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah, it's he, does, he does. No, it's not hard at all. Um, oh, that is uh, that's fabulous. The the technology thing, um, you know, and obviously that's something that you that really you know piques your interest. Um, yeah. So mm. you've got a doctor, a, a PhD, and um, what what did you study? particularly for that was there was yeah, so it around that technology or yeah it was um well so i i focused really, really focused focused in on flowering and fruit sets so um so uh i also had a passion for for grapevine rootstocks which is the um the root part of of the vine um so that's tolerant to phylloxera we don't have any phylloxera here in south australia but 
Um, we still need to know how to um, how to manage our vines on, on rootstocks because they can impart different um, characteristics and, and they can be very positive. Um, so my, my PhD was looking at the different types of, of American vitis rootstocks and how they impacted on, on Shiraz and Cabernet mm-hmm. um, with a particular focus on flowering and fruit set and also if we turned the water off suddenly, um, what would happen to the reproductive structures of the grapevine? So I've always had this, um, this passion for, um, for trying to investigate, okay, you know, how low can you go in terms of water before you start to see some um, detrimental effects and, and how resilient are these, are these grapevines? And, and if you put them on rootstocks, um, some of these rootstocks are, are drought tolerant. Um, how much further can, can you push them as a consequence of that? So, um, so the PhD, um, you know, all my learnings from that, I, I, I use out in the, in the vineyards every day with winds, really. So, um, so it's, it's quite complementary to my work. Yeah, that's it. Um, I, I love the story about the uh, the Johnson block and, and the Johnson block babies that you got. Um, yeah. So. Uh, and, and interestingly, we, we'll be chatting with um, Sandra Japiri from um, mm. from Yeringberg. And, mm-hmm. of course, the valley's got phylloxera in parts and, and everyone's sort of doing, uh, you know, looking at, at you know, um, uh, planting out or at least preparing for, um, you know, the influx of it. And so, um, you know, they've, they've done a whole lot of work of putting, you know, their, as you say, the, you know, the mother vine or whatever, the, the vines that... The, you know, they've, they've had in the ground that are doing so well for them, but put them on rootstock as an insurance. So, I, yes. yeah, mm-hmm. it's, um, so you, South Australia still has no phylloxera touching, Correct. as we yeah. say. Um, yeah. So uh, are you on, do you, is everything on it in preparation um, or not really? No need. Look, we, we do have a proportion of, of the vineyard um, that are, are grafted to grapevine rootstocks. And that's, again, as you say, as an insurance, but also because we have some rootstocks that, produce very high quality fruit and um, and we've seen that time and time again mm. um, through the research that I've done with my PhD um, but also just through the fruit quality that we get too so we have a nice a nice mix and I think that's that's classic viticulture you have to be diverse you don't you can't um, you, you know you can't have sort of a, a monoculture type approach um, so you can change it up with different clones um, so different clones of Cabernet and we certainly have um, different different parts of um, of the vineyard that are, are, are grown to different clones, but also to different rootstocks too, and that just helps with with um, with diversity and and also security in different um, different climates too. Mm. So, depending on the vintage, um, some some clone rootstock combinations will do better than others. So we've got that uh, flexibility to to really ensure that we're um, you know uh, providing fruit of a of a consistent and, a, and an excellent quality. Each each vintage doesn't matter sort of what what the vintage throws. Yeah, it, it must be fascinating um, as a, you know, with your sort of researcher hat on to look mm. back over all of the data that's been collected, um, you know, way back, you know, at WINS and mm. and just look at, you know, how, I mean, obviously technology increasingly would have given more and more detailed data, but even just the broader brushstrokes from the early days uh, and to see how that correlates with, with you know, the situation in the seasons these days. Absolutely, and I had the privilege of, of helping with some, some data um, mining when we did the 60-year uh, tasting of wins um, a, a few years ago now, and um, and I was tasked with, with um, providing Sue and Alan um, the climatic data for, for the 60 um, vintages that wow. we tasted, and that was just 
absolutely fascinating and we've actually got um, that research up in the cellar door showing um, the variable climates and how, um, you know, back in the sort of 60s and 70s you could see those decade trends of, you know, of wet decades and warm decades um, and then more and how sort of, I guess, from about, you know, 2000 and or the last sort of last you know, 15 years or so, how that's become more variable. Mm. So it's not quite a, a trend, it's a bit more sporadic and and that was really evident in just doing doing that analysis and and um, I'm a bit of a, a data data uh, data lover and I love just, um, that was sort of like, um, you know, giving me the teeth for the playground <laughs> when they said, oh, can you do the, <laughs> do the climate yeah. analysis? I had such a great time and I've, I work quite closely with the Bureau of Meteorology um, through my day-to-day sort of work and um, we have a fantastic relationship with them and they helped um help me sort of uh, mine the data back in the day and um, oh it was fascinating i loved it and um and just having the the history and the heritage that comes with with winds that's um it's really special and it's one of the things i love about winds is um you know just driving down the driveway to look at the tri-gable building every mm. day that's my that's my office, and that's um, that's pretty good and pretty cool. And the heritage that's associated with winds too, um, you sort of have to pinch yourself to say, "Oh my God, this is you know this is where I work." This yeah, is pretty yeah. cool. And, and and the vineyards that I I'm exposed to, as you say, the beautiful terra rossa soil. It's um, it's uh, it's pretty cool. Um, winds uses uh, fruit from some growers around the region as well. Do you get no, out and work no, with those? Winds doesn't. Oh, no, you don't. No, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, no. We're just estate growing. Oh, good. Yeah, okay. so just all, right. all our own fruit. Yeah, yep, yep. That's right. So it's just um, just all our our own vineyards. Yeah. Okay. That's yeah. that's a good reset. Um, yeah. So and so you um, you're obviously working with Sue and Sarah. We've had both yeah. um, both ladies on the show, and uh, and Alan Jenkins is um, you know the. Is he the head viticulturalist there, he and is, so therefore yeah, ultimately your exactly. your boss? Yeah, yeah, he is. Yeah, yeah, he's our chief viticulturalist, and I think that's also one of the unique things about Wind is we all sit in the same office space, and um, and we often joke about brain dumps. So, which is where somebody, be it Sue or Alan or myself or Sarah, um, come out with a bit of a kooky idea, and um, and you sort of flesh it out. And sometimes they're sort of they're left afield and never going to never going to happen in the vineyard, but often um, they really do result in quite significant changes in the vineyard. So, for example, these, you know, this, um, this thermography is, is one of those, um, you know, uh, brain dump type ideas. Like, how, can, we, can we maybe ask the vines how thirsty they are instead of, you know, working on the soil? And, and it sort of evolved from that. That was, um, I guess, one of Alan's, um, Alan's uh, sort of, I guess, in, was instrumental in sort of saying, like, we need to... We need to look at the vines, and, and we sort of all jumped on as a consequence of that too. So, mm. the um, the collective role that we have at at Winds as a um, you know as all all trying to help each other, and um, and you know we're all involved, be it in from the winery to the to the vineyard, and I think that's one of the unique things too that that flows through is that there's continuity in the learnings, what we learn in the vineyard and what we learn in the winery. Everyone's sort of across and I think that's quite a unique um, aspect of our of our um, of our you know of, of wins I guess yeah just that collaborative team the teamwork yeah mm. um, Catherine it's been fantastic having a chat and uh, and it sounds really exciting so um, be uh, one one thing that 
I wondered about is when you're mm. talking about that thermography and, and these, these new, um, the new technologies you're trying, does that stuff get shared between, uh, you know, the viticulturalist um, cohort around the world? You know, so are there people going, oh, you know, in California, for instance, saying, well, we should have a look at what they're doing at Winds, you know, in Coonawarra? Yeah, well, um, we, yes, essentially. Uh, so we do try and make sure that our, the science that we do is, is very rigorous and I do, we do publish um, peer-reviewed articles uh, in, in scientific journals. Um, and thermography is not a technique, obviously, that we've come up with. That's, mm. um, it, it's, it's being used widely in viticulture, um, actually, and we're sort of we're taking um, that aspect and trying to make it more practical and, and, and commercial. So um, really my role is, is to try and bridge that gap between academia and what's com- the commercial reality in, in the vineyard yep. um, and how we can actually do that. But, but yes, essentially, we, um, we have, have our, our, our research published and that's, that's the goal of ours is to make sure that the research that we're doing is world-class and it is, um, is I guess, uh, research that, that can be um, taken up and used, but it's also of, of a standard that, um, that you know, is, is publishable, I guess, as well. Yeah. Oh, that's um, really cool. So I um, uh, look forward to coming over and, um, and meeting you at some stage when we're able to. And, um, yeah. and congrats again on, on the award, and that's a, it's a great one to have on the wall. So, yeah, oh, totally. Yeah, uh, I'm super, super super. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I think no doubt inspiring, um, you know, ag science students to, to really lean, you know, or have a good look at the viticultural side, I reckon. So, yeah, um, yeah. Well, thanks for the chat and enjoy your afternoon and um, yeah, the rest of your day. And we'll um, yeah, we'll chat again. Yeah, lovely to chat with you. So, and hope to see you tomorrow soon. Thanks, Simon. Good one. Thanks, Catherine. See you. Yes, bye. Bye-bye. So, Catherine Kidman from Winds.